Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Can I begin this week by thanking you all for your support? I get messages from all around the world thanking me for the podcast and I'm thrilled it's resonating with so many people in so many countries. If you're interested in sponsoring me or being a patron, go to patreon.com forward slash Mullins or danmullinsmusic.com. A great photo from two pilgrims in California who discovered one another via the podcast. They were out walking together as one prepares to do her first Camino. And seeing that photo on Facebook this week just made me proud as punch. I read somewhere this week a quote, a Chinese proverb. Don't listen to what they say. Go see. And if you're wondering whether the Camino de Santiago is for you, perhaps that proverb will be your motivation. Don't listen to what they say. Go see. My guest this week is Bill Arts, an American pilgrim. He's on the line from Chicago. Hey, Bill, welcome. Hello, Dan. I want to start with your 2014 Camino first, because I know you returned to walk in 2017. But let's take a step back first. You discovered the Camino recovering from eye surgery. Now, when was that? Uh, I had the surgery in January of 2013. It was a... uh shock um i had not what, what what happened was i had a detached retina and the the interesting thing about the whole process is that when it happens there is no pain so you don't really if you unless you understand what it's about you really won't realize that you're having a major problem unless you understand how, you know what's going on so in november i was at work and and basically at, at the computer screen and all of a sudden i just got a crazy amount of floaters black floaters across my field of vision and you know i started to blink and and whatnot and and basically it ended in i would say less than five minutes so i said wow that was pretty weird um and 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 just thought not really nothing of it because as you age obviously you get floaters and people everybody experiences them and 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 so um a couple weeks later i let it go and i woke up one morning and 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 i wasn't seeing right it it didn't i was blinking and i thought something was off but anyway i didn't you know again i didn't think anything of it and what happened was when your retina detaches it starts to die or basically it affects your field of vision and eventually if you don't take care of it you go blind and so um eventually i called the doctor it was a christmas time the doctor was on vacation uh, they told me yeah, anything wrong. I said, "Well, no," but like I wouldn't know anyway. I, I, you know, I didn't understand. And so they made an appointment to see him after the holiday. And when I went in there, he basically looked at me, and you know, all of a sudden he got real quiet and serious, and stepped out a bit, and came back and said, "You need to have surgery tonight." And it, you know, I was stunned. So, and then obviously you get scared and frightened, and and go through the process of of of, of that. So. And anyway, I had the surgery. He was an excellent surgeon. He's a world-renowned surgeon. I was fortunate to, to have the, a surgeon do that, and he did a real good job. And I didn't—I have a little bit of loss of vision, but I didn't, you know, I still had a pretty good. I have really good, actually, good vision in that eye. Um, and so, while I was recovering, what I had to do was for a week um, after the surgery, I had to sit basically in like a massage chair with my head face down um, and even sleep in it. Uh, and I can only basically get up and lift my head to, uh, to, go to, the, to, to go to the bathroom. 
And so while I was there, I could there was a mirror on the on the chair, and you could watch TV through the mirror. And uh, you know, I tried to read a bit or whatever, but um, I came across the movie the way, and I said, "Well, this looks interesting, so I'll watch it." And while I was watching it, there's a scene where the the the, the Dutchman Joost says they're at the Alto del Perdón, and and he says, "What do you mean you can do this by bicycle? You know, why am I walking?" <laughs> so it hit it hit me. I like to ride. I'm an avid bicycle. I like to ride my bicycle. I do long distance bike riding. You know, I'll do 50 miles and or I guess that's like 80k, um, and uh, in a day or whatever. So I, I, you know, I had that um, interest. So I don't know what 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 came about in my thought process and whatever, but whether it was divine intervention, my guardian angel, but I said, you know what, I'm going to pray and prom- make a promise to the to God that if I have, if I recover from the surgery, that I would, I would do the pilgrimage by bicycle. So I couldn't fly for about a year and, and it actually gave me enough time to, 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 uh, plan the, plan my trip. So that's what I did in September of 2014. I, I did my first Camino and I first flew to Lourdes and spent a couple of days there and then, uh, took the train down to, uh, St. John and, and walked the first day and then picked up the bike in Roncesvalles and, and rode all the way from Roncesvalles to Santiago. So, so that was my... Uh, yeah, and you are the first of my guests who has ridden a bicycle. Um, in over 100 oh. po- podcasts, I've never spoken to anybody who's ridden a bicycle. And I, I, I decided to interview you because you also walked a couple of years later. So I thought, yes. we, I thought we could talk about the two. You did a lot of preparation, reading books and researching everything. Was it worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. I learned so much about the Camino. Um, you know, I read, uh, oh, quite a few. I mean, you know, Kurt uh, Kuntz's book, I know he was a guest of yours. I read A Million Steps. Um, I read, um, obviously, uh, Coelho's book, The Pilgrimage. Was, I read Coelho, a different Coelho book, but I didn't realize he had written The Pilgrimage at the time, so I read that book. You know, there was the Briarly book, obviously, it was, you know, kind of a daily study for me. Um and uh, through Briley, I think that's what kind of interests me on the spiritual side of the Camino, is you know because his writing is not just about the you know how to get back and forth and through towns and, and along the way, but he also has a little section about spirituality in each each separate of his individual um, days, right? As you, as you kind of yeah. as you go through the, day, the thirty days or whatever. So that where I started thinking about it, you know, I really wasn't a pract- I'm, I'm a Catholic by by uh, by birth. And, and a baptism, but I, you know, I had not been practicing my, my, my religion. And so I, I started to think about it and it encouraged me to kind of start to develop my spiritual side. Yeah. And you joined the American pilgrims on the Camino. It's a wonderful group, isn't it? It's huge now. And you're now, yes. a co- you're now a coordinator with the Chicago chapter. Tell us, yes. Uh, tell us. So, if someone's listening and they're wondering about joining a local chapter of a Camino group because they are all around the world, what do you do at a local level? At the local level, it's actually a wonderful experience. And for me, a personal experience, um, you know, I came across it through the obviously different research and things and trying to learn about the Camino. So, I gave it, a, I gave it a go, and I went there uh, one day, and they, they have the, the Chicago chapter holds. Um, monthly walks every second Saturday um, there's a hike that goes is out there for you know somewhere between you know 15k and and 20k more or less and, and it just you know you can do different parts of it but anyway so the first day I, I had done it and I 
wanted to just start to walk and, and learn about the Camino. So what I found was, though, that the guy who had been running it, um, a guy by the name of John Barrett, was amazing. He, he, was a, he was my mentor. Basically, he became my mentor for preparing me for the Camino. Um, he was an interesting guy. He was a surgeon, a gunshot surgeon, and he worked on gunshot uh, victims. And uh, so we had a lot of interesting talks. He talked. To, he had done the Camino a few times, so he introduced me into the all of the different things about the Camino. Talked about planning. Talked about backpacking. So I actually had a, you know I had a pretty good mentor, um, and 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 he was a great guy. But you also meet other other people. Um, I actually walked one day with Erin Dooley, who was, uh, when she got first got back from the Camino, Erin had done a movie about uh, her, her experience on the Camino and forgiveness after her divorce. So, you know, I, I met her. So you meet some interesting people. Um, it's, it, it, but in Chicago, it, the, depending on the weather, determines the number of people that come every Saturday. Um, they do the hikes. We have tapas dinners every couple months, the semi, kind of semi-annual tapas dinner. Um, we're doing... Other things, at least the mentorship program, we have people that mentor pilgrims that are that are, that, uh, that are interested in doing the Camino and enjoying. We do other things with sometimes with local churches. Um, recently attended one. There's a recently ordained bishop in Chicago that had done a part of the Camino in France. So there's a lot of various activities. So it's just a community of people that both people that are interested in doing the Camino, and people have done it and, and are interested in, in either mentoring people or want to continue their walking, you know, and, and share those communal experiences um, as a community. So it's, it's a wonderful experience. And I encourage people, if there's one nearby, um, go to the website, the American Pilgrims on Communal uh, website, and, and look into it. Um, they have a, a portion in, in, in one of the tabs on the website. You can find your local ch- chapter close near you. So. Yeah, it's fantastic. And as I said, they're all around the world. Um, so yeah, find some local people to talk with. And, and if you're planning to walk, that's where you'll find your support. Indeed, you said that John Barrett, you mentioned him there, helped you understand and gave you a good perspective on the intellectual and spiritual aspects of the journey and the importance of taking the time to appreciate the journey. Were you able to? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you you I, you under, you get a feeling you get a really good feeling right after it, but now that it's been almost well, let's see, four years, almost five years, right? Five years removed from it. Yeah. You, it 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 really um, it you, you it seasons your experience begins to season and you understand you get a better flavor for it as time passes. Though you may not have a sharper memory of of certain things, just some of the experiences and the lessons and, and the things that especially if you kind of think about it. And it definitely had a significant impact on my life, as it as this does with many, many, many people, right? So yeah, and I I want to talk about the walk in 2017 because it was a significant event in your life. Um, and reading your blog, it's fascinating. The 2014 um, blog about riding the bicycle. Can I ask you a series of questions about that? Because there will be people listening who perhaps. Um, are interested in riding the bike, and I've never spoken to anybody before who's cycled it. Um, sure. How long did it take you from uh, Roncesvalles to to Santiago? Um, I think I did in about twelve or thirteen days. Um, I rode every day, um, sometime between four and six hours. Uh, so about sixty k. So it was right. about you know double what more. I mean, there were some days that were longer. 
yeah. and shorter, depending on, obviously it was, you know, the flatter areas that I did a, maybe a longer ride just in terms of mileage, but then the time on, you know, going climbing El Sobrero and, and, and some of the other mountain, you know, hills or mountains or whatever, it may take you, you know, longer. You don't go as long a distance, but you're on the bike just because it takes you longer to climb. Right. So, um, I, I, it was about 12 days or 12 or 13 days. I, I had a issue in, uh, in Salagoon. I got stuck there one afternoon because I had broken a, a spoke on my bike and I went into it. I finally found a shop that had a, uh, it was, it was kind of a general equipment store or whatever. And, um, talked to someone uh, at first, they didn't understand what I wanted. They, they told me they couldn't fix my bike. And I, I was like, all right, what now am I going to do? So I called a, I had rented the bike. I, I didn't, I didn't bring my bike. And, uh, he, uh, talked to the lady, explained to her. So I asked her if I could come back and they, they basically closed for siesta. And then my bike and all my clothes were in the shop because I left to go find the, an albergue. So I went to the back of the Alberta. I didn't have, I had, you know, I still had my clothes on. I didn't even be able to wash anything. So I got stuck. So the next day, I just jumped on the train and took from Salagun. I went to Leon because I figured I didn't miss much, and I wanted to get to Leon. But uh, I had a couple issues with the with with the spoke with a broken spoke just because you know, there's this weight on the bike or whatever and, and stress. So, um, but it was I had good support, so there it, it, it worked out okay. Um, as far as that, is it hard going? Is it a difficult ride? Well. It, I would say that depends on how you do it. Okay, um, I had some. I had a, one of my toughest day. First of all, you can you can choose to ride the path, the same path that um, the pilgrims, you know, people that walk. Um, you can do that as well, and people do that. And and there, but there's also the choice of going on the um, on the road. And I did majority of my riding on the road i did some path you did some days along the path um but when i climbed in the mountains i did the road um and uh so it was kind of a very very for me some days it was harder some days was were, were easier um the climbing i found living in chicago it's i don't there are any mountains any anything close to a mountain in chicago um so my, my most challenging day was 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 uh climbing osabrero and and not so much because it was just uphill for four hours or four and a half hours of you know, a climb. Um, it was cold and rainy day, um, and I was just freezing. And I walked part, and I got off, and I, you know I told myself if I can't ride the whole way, if I get up and have to walk my bike a little bit just to get rest, I, I would do that. So I did that. I walked it a little bit. So um, it was, but it was awful. I was frozen and I was just chilled to the bone. But I did have some good. Uh, Galician bean, you know, this bean soup when I got to the top, and which yeah. was, was fantastic, and it really made it actually worthwhile. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Oh, it's magic um, up there, all right. It's absolutely beautiful. And then the other thing that happened to me was, you know, the weather. I mean, you have to be mindful of it, obviously, even if you're walking out in the Alps. And I, I had a near miss with lightning, which really scared me and frightened me. Um, on that same day, the storm was rolling in. I had just left Villa Franca de Verzo, and and. Uh, Storm came up and I stopped under like a railroad trestle and just as I was pulling up to put on my rain gear, um, I, I would say probably less than a half of a block or you know so I don't know how many feet that would be, uh, not very far. It was a big blue flash of light and you know big bolt of uh, big loud thunderclass, but scared the living daylights out of me. Um, but uh, that was the only one, and after that it was fine. It kind of that that was the only thunder lightning issue and. The rest of the time was was uh, 
was was I didn't really have any problems with that. So that was my worst day. But generally, you know, the, there's portions where it's easier. You know, like when I, it depends. Like when I went from Belorado to Burgos, it was really flat, and it took me a couple hours. I got to Burgos early so I can enjoy the cathedral and the, and the city. Um, so it just it just it just varied. Some days were harder than others. Yeah, yeah, that's um, like it's like everything, really. I, is it easy? Yeah. Is it easy to find your way? Yes. Um, even if you're taking the road, I had I had the books I used. You know, obviously there's some guide books that you can use for the bike. But even on the road, there's there's yellow arrows on on the road on those on the I think carreteras. It's not that's what they call the the local highways, um, basically. So there, it's not the autopista. It's the it's the carreteras, and there are two lane or two lane roads basically. And most of them are adjacent to the where they built the autopista, the you know the four lane highway. So yeah. the roads are really devoid of traffic. Uh, you know, especially in the, in the more rural areas. Obviously, in the cities, it's a little different, but. You know, once you get out of the towns, and it's pretty, uh, it's pretty easy going. There's not, you don't have to worry about cars coming up and, and from behind you, or go, you know, worry about traffic. In other words, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. Did you wear a backpack, or do you carry the packs on the bike? I did the panniers on the back. Right. I did. Yeah. So it's about the same idea. If you're going to, uh, you have to think about weight. It's important, just as you would if you carry it, because. And not only the weight on the bike. I'm a bigger guy. I, I'm, you know, I'm about 230 pounds, 240 pounds, and I'm six foot three. So you know, you gotta you gotta look at weight on the bike and also weight on the on what you're carrying and riding because when you're riding uphill, you're carrying all that weight behind you. Now it's easier, obviously, going downhill because you're getting pushed. But you know, coming coming up on the hill, you're carrying all that weight. It, it makes a difference. So yeah. Um, you mentioned that you hired your bike and picked it up in Ronces Valleys. Yes. Did you did you book ahead? Had you reserved a bike? Yes. That's the first question. How hard and, and was that to do? And secondly, do you remember how much it cost you? Is that a rude question? No, no, it's not rude. Um, it was about four hundred US, I think, for the whole whole way for the bike for riding the bike. I had actually thought my plan was to ride from Lourdes to to Santiago on a bike, but because of the change in, in between France and Spain, I, I'd have to hire a bike in France, leave it at the border, have the guy come and pick it up, and then pick up another bike in Spain, and it, it was really expensive. It was, it was that was too much. So I just decided that's why I chunked it up, and 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 the, the bike company actually delivers the bike. They delivered it to the hotel in Roncesvalles in a box. You have to basically. I had to basically put the the pedals on and 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 some some assembly required tires and. I think and and pedals, but nothing too 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 hard. Um, and then you're ready to go. And then they you could basically I dropped it off in Santiago at the shop in Santiago. I had great support. Uh, I forget. I think I used Torn Ride was the name of the company. Um, it was by the name of Tomas, who was really helpful. You know, when I had issues with my spokes, I he had I they answered the phone and and you know helped me out and get, and directed me to good bike shops along the way. Um, all in the various towns, I had actually three issues with with spokes that happened. I had in the Jira, I had an issue. I had an issue in uh, in Sahagun and in, in Astorga. That's where I I had finally. The only problem was that the people in Sahagun, he wasn't really a bike mechanic. Then the person in Astorga was a really good mechanic, and he fixed it. And I never had a problem after that. So I, you know, I met a gentleman in, from South Africa who. I, I think I had two broken spokes. He he said he had broken five, and so I, I after I heard about his story, I didn't feel so bad. I you know, 
he was a bigger guy too. He was bigger than me. He was like six five, six six, and but uh, so that's one issue. You know, you got to be think. You have to think with a bike. What's different than walking in that respect? What you have to consider is, you know, you have to be prepared for some kind of mechanical difficulty, and be and either have some tools with you to be able to fix a flat if you get a flat. You know, deal with a broken spoke is probably the two most common things that could happen to you. You know, any other major issues, obviously, you're going to have to. Uh, figure out a way to get transport to a bike, you know, a bike uh, repair shop. So, and were you worried about the bicycle being stolen at night or during the when you were having you lunch? Know, I, no, I, you know, I uh, even I, I was in, in Santiago, uh, Santa Domingo del Calzada. I left the bike outside the cathedral because I had waited. There was a, it was a Sunday and I had waited or Saturday. And they had waited for a wedding, to, and I wanted to go in and obviously see the chicken, which was not that big a deal, obviously. But, but you know, you have to. It was I was curious about it. So, and and actually, actually, the more interesting thing about that is going up in the bell tower. Um, but I left my bike unlocked, parked, leaned up against the, the church, and it was fine. I didn't even have to lock it. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, you know, there's there's always talk about albergues accepting walkers before cyclists. Was that your experience? Uh, I didn't have a problem. The only I had a, I mean, the issue I had, the only issue I had with uh, with the was basically the one day I rode later in the day when I rode from. It was a long day. I rode from Ventosa to Belorado, and I hadn't gotten into town until four o'clock, so it was pretty full. And even in September, it was at that time it was pretty crowded. But I wound up getting in all the last berth in, in the in the Alberghi and in, in Belorado, but. No, I, every place I went to, I and besides that, I did a guide. You know, I think the English fraternity, confraternity of St. James, has a bicycle guide that tells you the bike-friendly albergues. So they have a place where you can lock them up. And then when I got to Santiago, I was there for a couple of days. I stayed at the San Martin, St. Martin, the the, um, the seminary, and and, yeah. and they let. They, locked it in the room and and i had i just left it there until i brought the bike back to to the bike shop so awesome um, I, I, I didn't have an issue an issue at all it was you know quite convenient what about walking pilgrims are they generous to cycling pilgrims um you know that i've read a lot about that i yeah that's why i asked i, I, <laughs> I, I think that you know I, I, courtesy is always appreciated and and you know and when you're riding the bike, I think giving people a warning that you're coming up on them is, is something helpful. And, and and you know I had a little bell on my handlebar that I would just jingle so that people let people know that I was coming through. And and obviously people have different attitudes about it because of the, how they approach the Camino. Some people do it for how fast I can get it done. You know, in in terms of a sport kind of thing, it's a more athletic issue for them. So. But if you're kind of a pilgrim that wants to slow down and just enjoy the ride, like I was, you know, you weren't too bit. I wouldn't try. I would slow down when I came across across people that were walking, and you know, so yeah. Um, the one difference, I mean, to me, the most interesting difference between walking and riding the bicycle for me was um, is during my bike rides during the day. You know, up until the last couple of days when I met a fellow from Barcelona. I, I, I rode alone every day, so it was a lot of time alone. I mean, obviously, when I got off the bike and stuffed at the albergue or, or had, you know, and, and checked in to, 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 for the night, I would meet people. Um, but it was a lot of solitary time on the bike um, during the day. 
And so, and then, but then, you know, and once you're in the albergues, you're a pilgrim, just like everybody else. You do your laundry, you, you know, you go out for a couple beers, whatever, have dinner, cook dinner, whatever. So you meet interesting people. And the only other thing is you don't have the Camino family experience because you're, you're obviously going faster than people that are walking. So unless you're with a group of other bicyclists, you're not going to have that, that experience of, of having some familiar people around you. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, the 2014 Camino was the first time since getting married and having children that you'd really been on your own for an extended period. So what impact did it have on your life? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a really good, that's a really good question. You know, I've been, um, I've been unhappy in my marriage for a long time. Um, and I never really thought about getting divorced, being Catholic and, uh, Going through the experience of, of, of the eye surgery and, and, and that, I, I basically walked and came away with a decision that I was going to get a divorce. And, I, you know, and, and that was my, one of my life-changing events, I think, in terms of the impact that my first Camino had on me was that, that decision. So, and, and you know, like I, I said, you know, I, I pretty much – my, my approach was similar to yours. I mean, you know, I listened to your first – first podcast about your experience and how you talked about you spent you chunked up your time of your life into five-year periods and you talked about you thought about them and you good and bad and different whatever it was and you and you walked away feeling good about it it was kind of i had a similar in similar fashion i did the same thing you know i i had uh i started i as long as this promise to, to to do the pilgrimage i said i'm going to say the rosary every day once I went to Lourdes and, and I, I said a portion of the rosary every day I thought about, it, I meditated about myself and my life and all the things good and bad and what the impact would be if I, you know, did decide to, 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 to get a divorce. So I, you know, I thought it thoroughly through during that time and, and basically came back with the decision that this is, that was how I was going to go about. I was going to do that. So that was, that was a momental, a monumental decision for me. So. Yeah. And, 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 in making that decision, what did you learn about yourself? Um, quite a few, actually, quite a few things. Um, not to be afraid um, is a, a big one about making that decision. I mean, a lot of the the, the time that I spent prior to that um, was, you know, the fear of making the change in my that major of a change in my life and the impact that it would have, particularly on my relationships with my children. So, um, and then, you know, I, I think you just, just conquering that fear of making a change in your life. I think that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. And you say one great thing you've learned about the Camino is everyone's willingness to share their own experiences on their journey. However, everyone also says that it's your journey and you will confront and have to face your own individual challenges and draw your own insights from your journey. That's very true, isn't it? And now when you look back, did you achieve that? I think so. I, mm. I, and, that, you know, that's a great, that's an ongoing process, I think. Yeah. I, for people that I, I, I would say that I'm fairly confident that people who have done the Camino, it's not just, well, I did this. There may be few people out there, but I think most people that do it, they they incorporate that time. It's it, it, a significant moment in their life they incorporate those thoughts and things that around them that um affected them and and try to incorporate that in their daily life as they go forward i think and that's the great value to me of the camino 
What did you expect, do you think, from the Camino? Do you remember what your expectations were? I'm talking about 2014. Um, you know, it was one of two things. Either I was going to have a really tremendous spiritual experience or it was just going to be another ride, bike ride. And it turned out to be a really tremendous experience, life experience for me. Yeah. So... Yeah. A good a good friend of yours, Jack, is a Roman Catholic deacon, and he, he blessed you before you headed off and said, you should share yourself with others you meet along the way so they gain from your experiences and spiritual self as you would gain from their encounters with you. Were you able to do that? I was. You know, I met people along the way um, that I did talk to and, and had um, those types of experiences. There were two memorable ones. Um, one, the, the most memorable was, um, I had gone, just gotten finished saying that my rosary, um, and, and I was in Porto Marin and I just finished, walked out of the cathedral there. I wanted to see it because St. Nicholas is one of the oldest churches, I think in Spain. So it was just interesting to go there and see the old Roman architecture, but I just walked out of there. And, um, as I was, as I was getting ready to get back on my bike and, and go from the rest of my day, I saw a fellow. Uh, coming up, uh, up the row of the path and his feet were heavily bandaged and, and, and he was wearing sandals, but they were really, I mean, heavily bandaged. And, and I just looked at him. I said, wow, you know, I'm really impressed. You're still walking, you know, and, and he was from South Africa and he told me, um, well, I didn't, it's my own fault. You know, I, I, I had wearing shoes that got wet and I got, um, trench foot. So he had been in the hospital and then he decided, well, I've, I've got no place else to go. Um, I'm looking at making a change in my life. I live in South Africa. I was uh, assaulted down there. My brother was uh, murdered. Um, and I'm trying to figure out where I want to go live the rest of my life. I don't have a job. And, and so I had nothing better to do else to do but to go and continue to walk. So my lesson from that encounter was, you know, no matter what, how difficult your life is and the adversities that you face, there's always somebody else that probably has it much worse than you. And so you have to keep those that thought in your mind when you're going through things that that basically this is something that is difficult, but you'll get through it. It'll pass. And there are people there. Be mindful of the people that are, are facing much greater adversity than what you are. So that, that was probably the biggest and most important lesson and, and, and meaning out of, of meeting someone along the way. Um, there's another one. I, you know, there was, I, I was in Pomferrata. I couldn't find an albergue. And uh and I got, I found this new place. There's a gentleman, a senior guy, uh, elderly gentleman, sitting on a bad practice. Senor, senor, come by uh, a primo albergue. So he points me to this place, and it was just brand new. It just opened up, and there was no one in there. I I got in there early, a little bit early. So I was, I was, wow, this is great. A brand new place. I'm shower. Everything was clean, immaculate. So I had gone and I decided to go see the the uh, castle in Pomferrata, the Templar castle, and I came back. And I walked in, and there were about 15 Italian gentlemen, and they were serenading the hospital to Ural, the wife, um, with a, a fiancé, uh, a song that is about uh, the night before their wedding. And uh, it was a beautiful song, beautiful songs. But they were singing for, for a bed, basically, because they had been to one of the other albergues nearby, and they were bed bugs, so they had left there. And there was no real – by that time, I had come back from where I my doing my sightseeing. The, the place was full, so they were singing for a bed. So it was a beautiful song, and they were the best guys. They were all, it was a lot of fun. We had a wonderful paella dinner uh, in the in the courtyard, uh, you know, on, the, on the picnic benches. And they were taking videos. They had a friend who had uh, 
it was a butcher who couldn't go with them. And he had, because of his business, he had to stay behind. So they were taping all of us. And, uh, you know, they, they told me, they, they gave me some, some Italian to speak to this guy and tell him, say hello and where I was from and all that stuff. So we just had a grand old time. And, um, the, the one guy told me that he said that I looked like an honest guy. So it was, uh, it was a really great, <laughs> wonderful, that he was a policeman. So he said, I can tell you're an honest guy. So it was kind of a nice, they were good guys. And I, you know, uh, a lot of fun. So there's, there's, you know, every night there was some, generally something. And like I said, one of the things I was doing that I think helped me too was I decided to help people do something nice for someone, try to do something nice for someone every day. So one of my other experiences that I thought was really memorable, I'll never forget, was the first night in St. John. Um, there was a French woman who was deciding to not walk anywhere because. Her feet were bothering her, and I, I don't know how far she had walked. I don't remember, but she was giving it up, right? And I had been to Lourdes, so I had taken – I had not gotten to run – uh, I had not gotten shipped my, my bag yet, so I had a bunch of vials of water. And I and then she couldn't speak English, and I didn't speak French. And uh, she didn't first know what I was doing, and I offered her – there was a little a vial of water with the imprint of the Virgin Mary on it, and you know, I gave it to her, and, and she just had this most heartfelt mercy – and I, she made it. She cried, and it was uh, it was a really touching moment. And she she hugged me, and it was it was just wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. So that was another thing that I you know I kind of took away was just be mindful of and grateful for what you have, and and try to be good to people, and look for ways to to be of service to others. Were you her Camino angel? Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I, awesome. maybe. I mean, but she. Just, I I just told her I, I she had translated. I said, well. You know, next year you can come back and, and try again. So that's what I told her. So yeah, heal up. Yeah, yeah. What's the best part about being a pilgrim? Uh, simplicity. Mm. I think get you know the eat, sleep, repeat kind of thing. <laughs> Walk, repeat is you know it, it puts you in a mindset that's you can makes makes you understand how that you don't have to be your life doesn't have to be so complicated. Um, it really doesn't, you, you know, you have to keep mindful of the, and be grateful for the, for the blessings that you have. Yeah. And, and writing a blog in 2014, um, would have been, I think a great means to vent some of your inner feelings because you were going through a lot, weren't you? Yeah. 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 It was, uh, 2014, 2013 was a difficult year. You know, my now ex-wife had, had suffered a stroke, so that was, that was difficult. And, you know, she had, it was pretty severe and I had my surgery. So there was a lot of things going on at that time. So, um, it was a good, it was a good thing, a good time for that to do that. So. Yeah. I'm a musician, as you know, and I love the chapter titles because they all relate to songs, things like magical mystery tour over the hills and far away. Everybody has a mountain to climb. Why songs? Why, why, where did that come from? Uh, my love of music, you know, I just, for me, the trip to me, as I kind of read about it, Magical Mystery Tour just seemed like the right approach to it because it's magical. There's some mystery to it. And so those that it just fit for me. Um, Over the Hills and Far Away, I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. So that's climbing the mountains in the Pyrenees. It seemed to be I was far away from home. I'm going through the hills. Yeah. So that seemed a good, good title. Uh, Everybody Has a Mountain to Climb, the uh, Almond Brothers song, which is – you know, about uh, just everybody has difficulties and, you know, uh, you've got your own mountain to climb and basically and, 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 and adversity to face. So yeah. it, it seemed to 
sing the set. You, you say and, and it's all coming. And the Ringo, Ringo song. It's yeah, I love that song. <laughs> you say in the blog, although your friend Juan was quite emotional, you said, I did not feel any particular strong feelings or emotions when we reached the cathedral in Santiago. I was happy and grateful to have arrived safely. Juan asked me later how I felt about it, and I just told him I needed time to sort out my feelings. It was not until the last day when I knew I would be leaving did it strike me how significant the overall trip had been. Tell us how it dawned on you. Uh, when I went, I went to mass the last day, uh, the Saturday before I left uh, for and take the train uh, to Madrid. Um, I, I went to mass and, and the priest basically sermon was about pretty similar to what Jack had told me at the beginning that now go back. You've had this experience, go back and share it with other people. So it kind of tied. The, it was this loop that got tied, a knot that you know basically was. It, it, it completed the journey for me, and I realized how much impact it had on my life, um, and would have. I, 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 you know, I was anticipating some of the things that I had, the the decisions I had come to and arrived to in terms of how I was going to change my life. So um, that's when it, it struck me that this is over. This was a really amazing thing, um, and uh, you know. It's time to go forward and 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 and, and learn and, and put it into place and 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 continue to learn about learn from it. So. Tell us a pilgrim story. Ah, oh, the pilgrim story. Um, I think my favorite. So I've shared a couple already. Um, I think my, you know the other. I think a pilgrim story for me was. My friend Juan and I, the, the fellow I'd met from Barcelona, we had decided to go to Finisterra, um, and we, we, we rented a car together and went there. And, uh, you know, when you get to the, the – and, and, and Finisterra has a lot of meaning, you know, in terms of just the end of the world and, 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 and as a metaphor for the end of your life. And um, sitting there looking, at, you know, at the, near the lighthouse on the hill there and, and looking out over the ocean and realizing um, – you know that this is that my life is going to end someday, and so I, I it was a really sobering experience, and I, I kind of compare it to Scrooge, and his visit from the the ghost of Christmas future, and what it made to change him. That was the impetus for him to change his life, the final straw that basically said he's got to basically make some changes in his life, and and in terms of what how he was forging his life up until that moment. So I had the same kind of experience at that point and said. You know, my life is going to change. There's going to be diff- it's going to be difficult, but you know it's going to be worth it. So that 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 was a that's that's another great for me a great story. Yeah, and at, at a mass after you finished, the priest had everyone introduce themselves and where they had started their Camino. You mentioned it before, and in the homily, he talked about how to view the Camino as a new beginning rather than the end of a journey, and to take what you gained from your experiences and share them with others. Have you been able to do that? I think so. I mean, I, I have a different life now. I'm actually, you know, I I, uh, I have a whole different life. I'm uh, there's a wonderful new woman in my life. Um, um, I have some difficulties with my children, you know, now and again. But you know, it's um, we're working through it. Um, it's a process. So yeah, it definitely is a new beginning for me. And and any you know, for me, I think not only just from that perspective, you know, the making that change, but just myself and in terms of my spiritual self and the development of that and then and the what i've done since then to try to try to enhance that part of my emotional 
well-being um, has been has been a, a part of that as well. So, you stayed at a private albergue, Espiritu Santo, in Carrion de los Condes, and it's part of the convent of the Daughters of Charity. And you wrote. It looks like an old school. Reminds me of my childhood attending Saints Peter's and Paul. The nun who checked me into the albergue reminded me of Sister Albion, the principal, where I went to grade school. When she said that Mass was at 8pm and a pilgrim benediction afterwards, she had that same look in her eyes that Sister Albion used to have when you knew it was something that you were not going to like to do, but better do, because it was good for you. It's a funny story, but it points to a deeper story, because you said that and you mentioned it before that you were Catholic born and bred, but you elapsed Catholic over the last decade or so before you walked. Yet you talked about saying the rosary every day. Yeah, it's a different, uh, you know, interesting aspects of that in terms of just my thoughts about the Roman Catholic faith and, and uh, vitality of it, some of the issues that are around that in terms of priesthood particularly in the u.s um and you know just some of the different issues around 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 the church yeah Um, but i would say that i you know what i found in my both my time both my caminos um you going to the the candlelight procession in lords a couple times seeing all the people from all across the world um encountering priests Along along the Camino, uh, giving blessings and you know and and around Cervias and and Carrion de los Condes and and, the, and in Santiago, that there's a strong healthy faith of people out there that you know are are, are it's an important part of the church and um, hopefully these things can be worked through some of these issues that that are going on right now. So my childhood Catholic upbringing you know people that have gone to grammar school or catholic schools and and and, and can relate to the to the nun stories about the the stern nun and and basically you know those looks that you got and you better do this but you realize yeah you know later on in life that you know a sister was right about that and then basically that was good for you so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i i walked into my mother's lounge room about 15 years ago and there was this very stylish middle-aged woman sitting at the on the lounge and she said you must be danny and i said um hello who 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 are you and she said i'm sister constantine and i said oh hello sister how are you and she said you don't remember me do you and i said i no i'm sorry i don't she said i was sister albert now i would have sworn when i was a boy that sister albert was 110 years old but here was this woman sitting in front of me who was probably in her mid-40s, and that was 25 years before. So she used to wear these big horn-rimmed glasses and the hair was all matted back and tucked in behind the veil. Just an entirely different person than this very stylish woman sitting in front of me. We had a great yarn, but the nuns in the 60s and 70s were an entirely different breed than they are today, hey? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're still there and... They're doing good work. They're doing great work. That's right. They do do wonderful, wonderful work. And I have just one final question for you, Bill. Did your Camino experience reignite a flame in you? Um, That's interesting. Uh, I I, I would say, yeah, the answer is yes. Okay. Then the question is, what does the flame represent? And I think, it represents a, there could, there's many aspects to, as when you look into a flame, 
I think you get you can get different perspectives on that on that flame, right? There's different colors, the intensity of it, uh, flickering, whatever. I, I think that it did ignite a flame. It ignited a flame in many different ways about my spirituality, my emotional well-being, um, my life and attitude, approach to life, um, the appreciation, um, qualities about myself, you know, compassion, gratitude, humility, um, things to keep in those things to keep them in perspective uh, about myself. Um, so yeah, I, I would say yes. Well, I hope you continue your journey, both physically and spiritually, for many years to come. Thank you very much for sharing your story. And buen camino, Bill. Buen camino, Dan. It was a pleasure and true honor. Thank you. My guest this week, Bill Arts from Chicago. There was a little prayer on Bill's blog that I thought I'd share with you. O God who brought your servant Abraham out of the land of the Chaldeans, protecting him in his wanderings, who guided the Hebrew people across the desert, I ask that you watch over me, your servant, as I walk in the love of your name to Santiago de Compostela. Be for me my companion on the way, my guide at the crossroads, my breath in my weariness, my protection in danger, my shelter on the Camino, my shade in the heat, my light in the darkness, my consolation in my discouragements and my strength in my intentions." so that with your guidance I may arrive safe and sound at the end of the road, and enriched with grace and virtue I return safely to my home filled with joy. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Apostle Santiago, pray for us. Santa Maria, pray for us. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, 